time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Christy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 28 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day and we kiss them too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Coffee, coffee. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? I would like to tell you we're drinking some amazing Colombian coffee, but I would be lying because... We're we're drinking caramel again. Caramel again. Holly Ann is stuck on caramel. It's really good. But if you're a fan of other flavors great pastries, and all kinds of lunch specials, and you're local, head on over to Coffee Coffee. You will not be disappointed. Well, we're into June. Can you believe it? I know. Man, week one went fast through June. Yeah. Like yeah, the really of an eye. Yes. It's done. And I mean, it's just crazy. How are your babies doing? The babies are doing great. They're spending most of the day outside. Now they're still in um, an adjoining pen. Right. They're doing great. I think we're going to wait about two more weeks before we start letting them hang out with the big girls. Yeah. But all things considered, it's pretty good. I only have one hen who's being a little aggressive through the fence. That's it. Yeah. So I have the integration cages, which are on the side, which I put them in. Mm-hmm. And then I saw this great little kind of rabbit hut, chick coop kind of thing on sale on Facebook Marketplace. I remember. And I made Joe drive an hour and a half with me to get it. <laughs> we went to Kent Island, which is about an hour and a half from our drive, and it's on the shore, mm-hmm. which is a really pretty drive, actually. So we drove the hour and a half because I got a great deal on this little coop. Yeah. And then we bring it home and we put the little chicks in inside the run with the big girl. Uh-huh. And the lavenders and Gertie just did great with them. So I decided to let them out just for a little while with me in there. Mm -hmm. And they're doing great. Good, good. So I supervise them, of course. Right. And it seems like everybody is kind of loving each other. That sounds great. But we're still a slow integration. We're still not sleeping in there. We still have to build the coop to go in that big run Mm -hmm. for them. So they're in the garage in a pop-up at night sleeping, which they're happy with. That's perfect. It's so nice to see, especially Gertie, really take these chicks under her wing. Yeah, it's really cute. She's great with them. And Spicy loves, Spicy's are my Rhode Island Red, loves Gertie, but she looks the most like Gertie. She does. That's really interesting. It's true, though. Yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, but. I kind of feel like she's like, are you my mama? Aw. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of stuff do you have going on at your house? We're just settling into our summer routine. Yeah. Summer generally means all of the other animals, the non-chicken animals, spend the day in the barn with the fans on, keeps the flies off of them, keeps them cool. Oh, yeah. And we're usually that way until September. Yeah. That's another thing we want to remind everybody, get those box fans out. I just ordered a steak that goes in the ground that has like six different outlets. Like a vertical power strip? Exactly. That's fantastic. So I can run my power cord from the house all the way back Mm -hmm. and do multiple box fans. Cool. Just as a reminder, just as they need some heat in the winter, they need some fans in the summer. Yeah. I mean, people will often say fans don't help because chickens don't sweat. But that's not true. The fans move that hot air around. Oh, yeah. So when the chicken fluffs her feathers, you can help her by cooling the air by moving it around with a fan. And then you'll notice right away they go and sit in front of it. Yes, they do. Yes. Because that air moving, I mean, when you think about yourself, it helps mm-hmm. when you're in with the air moving versus just stale hot air. I got to tell you, one of the funniest things ever is a bunch of Brahmas with their butts in front of the fan oh, yeah. and their fluffy feathers floofing around, floofing around, <laughs> flying everywhere. It's we'll really take one funny. from Fiona. <laughs> 
So yeah, definitely that kind of season coming up. Yep. It's hot summer. Tomatoes. That's something to look forward to. Oh my God. If anyone that listened to us is in Maryland, they'll get this. Tomato sandwiches. Oh yeah. Oh my God. beat it. Like something so simple. Now here in Maryland, we grow these big, huge tomatoes in the summertime. Yeah, the brandy wines or the other huge heirloom. They're super juicy, delicious tomatoes. So growing up, if you had bread and tomato and mayonnaise. Yeah, that's it. That's all you need. That's it. all you need. And I you like would, to throw some basil in there as an adult. Though. Oh, really? Yeah. I just do mayonnaise, salt, pepper, and tomato. It's perfect that way. And bread, and you're good to go. Yep. And yep. the girls, it's like definitely bread into them. They yeah. love them. And it's just so simple. So that's a Maryland thing. Well, grow those tomatoes. Even though my amazing husband is a Pennsylvanian by birth. He is a Marylander now, and he loves a tomato sandwich. There's no like better. <laughs> I mean, it's just so simple. It really is. It's great. It's so good. So, yeah, I got to get Joe on that coop building, that mm-hmm. thing. We just had so much stuff going on with Ella and her soccer. She's now going to be graduating the fifth grade soon. Right. That's exciting stuff coming up. Yeah. My last baby coming out of elementary school. She has a little graduation ceremony coming up that we'll be going to. And okay. They always like to put the baby picture next to the fifth grade picture <laughs> and make everybody cry. <laughs> well, I had to stop her. She wanted some outrageous pictures. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> summer, fun, swimming, chickens, catching fireflies. And for the rest of summer, you'll hear me talking about fall. Yeah. And another good thing, we don't call them fireflies. We call them lightning, lightning bugs. bugs. Yeah. I love summer as long as I can come into the AC, Mm -hmm. but like kind of go out. But then I will be like, oh, my God, it's so hot. But then I say that in the winter. Oh, my God, it's so cold. Yeah, if it were just spring and fall, I'd be fine. (laughs) It would be the perfect world. I love the flowers and the vegetable and the fruit from summer. I I love all of those things. The produce is unbeatable. Although I am sad, and we were just talking about this before we started recording about peony season being done. It's so short. My grandmother actually loved peonies they were her favorite flower Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i have that same love and oh my god you wait all year like you see the little red tips coming up out of the ground and you wait for that two three weeks and you have those big beautiful blooms and then they're gone they're beautiful they're one of my favorites they're not my absolute favorite as you know they're one of my favorites i love them it is too short but i'm a fall girl so mums and i'm talking about like the big asian mums are my thing as you know so probably in the next week or two, I will go out and cut the tops off of all my mums. Yeah. And that makes them explode into blooms in the fall. Heard See, it. talking about fall already. <laughs> I know. And I'm going to give everyone a tip that I just heard not too long ago from a florist about peonies. Mm-hmm. If you cut your peony at that marshmallow state, right. you can put them in the refrigerator. That's right. And they stay good for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And then when you take them out of the refrigerator, say if you want to enjoy them in a month. Mm-hmm. Cut them at that little marshmallow It state. literally feels like a marshmallow. Yeah, that's a flower farmer's tip. Yeah. That's well, that's a, who I got it from. Right, right. Mr. Bill, who owns Belvedere Farms. Oh, he's been doing flowers for ages. He knows his stuff. He does. So you can put them in the fridge and then in a month, yeah. take them out. Mm-hmm. Although I've never tried it because I, I, I can't wait. I know. Like, I gotta... Me too. They're in the vase. Okay. So is it time to move on to Breathe Spotlight? Yeah. Yeah. So this week, we're going to be talking about the ice bar. The ice bar, not ice cream bar. <laughs> Although with hot weather, you would think we'd be talking about an ice cream bar. Well, as we'll explain as we get into the breed spotlight, they are called the ice bars, but they're more properly called the Silverud's Blue. There's many different names, but they're more yeah. commonly known as the ice as bar. As the ice bar, right. So right. we can refer to them as the ice bar. That way everybody kind of knows what we're talking about. Yes. 
So they're a big, beautiful green egg laying chicken breed that was developed in Sweden in like the 1950s and 60s. So they're not that old. They're kind of new to the party. Right. They're sort of in the same time period where, you know, when Cambridge University was doing all of the autosexing experiments and developing right. the leg bar, Silver was around the same time, maybe a little later. Okay. So this story really starts with him. A Martin Silverud was a Catholic monk in Sweden. Right. Who developed a number of chicken breeds. He developed the ice bar. He also developed one that you may have heard of, the 55 flowery hen. I have not heard of that. Okay. What about the Queen Sylvia? I have not heard of that. <laughs> or what about, this one always makes me think of Ikea. What about the Smallland? I think I have heard of that one. Okay. I think that was the town where he lived or where he was from, the Smallland. Okay. That's why I know it rings a bell. So he was trying to do some of the same things that that Cambridge crowd were doing, but he wasn't that focused on auto-sexing. He was really trying to create a breed that laid a colorful egg with great frequency. Right. So he was into the high production kind of chicken, but he didn't want just a high production chicken that laid a white egg or a brown. Right. He wanted a colored egg. Wanted a colored egg. Exactly. So the ice bar is not autosexing. And really, he didn't consider it a finished breed. He died in 1986 before the breed was finished, in quotes. But here's where a little bit of confusion comes in. Silver had bred two similar strains that may have ended up being mixed together. Okay. The first strain was the ice bar which I've read stands for Island Silver Bard. Okay. And it was made from New Hampshire's, Rhode Island Reds, Bard Rocks, and Cream Leg Bars for that blue egg laying gene. Okay, so let's look at it this way. Rhode Island Reds, high production. Mm-hmm. Bard Rocks, high production and winter layers. New Hampshire's. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then the Cream Leg Bar. The Cream Leg Bar, they're an average egg layer. But they bring in the blue. Right. They bring in the blue. They're actually, because they have a lot of leghorn, they're uh, a moderate to good layer. I mean, they definitely will give you three to four eggs a week at least. Now, the second strain did not have the barred rock. But what they did have was blue ostralorp. Okay. So the blue ostralorp is where that blue color would have come in. So the breed was referred to as the ice bar for a while. But then in 2016, the Swedish Culture Poultry Association renamed the ice bar. It's now known as the Silverud Blue. Okay. So what we in the U.S. are calling the ice bar, they call the silverud blue. So the ice bar slash silverud blue is homozygous for the blue egg laying gene. And again, that comes from the cream leg bar. That mixed with the brown egg genes from the New Hampshire, the Rhode Island red, and the Australorp gives you these really lovely shades of green. And who doesn't love a green egg layer? Oh, they're beautiful. I wanted a green egg layer. I know. And you got Gertie the mystery chicken. It gives me a brown egg. I do have Blanche Dubois the Easter egg, or who was supposed to have been a Marcana, but she does lay a beautiful green egg. I want a green egg layer. I just can't get one. Well, maybe we'll have to get you an ice bar or a silver red's blue. I'm going to call them ice bar. <laughs> I'm going to get one and name her ice cream bar. When I think of ice bar, my brain instantly is going to ice cream. I yeah. Don't know why. It makes you think of that. It does. <laughs> so the blue color means that like any of the other blue breeds out there, the blue Andalusian, et cetera, they produce about 50% blue offspring. The other 50% are black, white, and splash. Right. All very pretty birds. So Greenfire Farm imported the ice bars from Sweden in 2011. Okay. That was the year before the Swedish Culture Association had actually changed the name. Right. They imported them as ice bars. They still call them ice bars. They note that the ice bar is the only single combed green egg layer in the world. Okay. Most of the other ones have the pea comb from the Arcana Genetics, including my Easter egg or Blanche. 
So the hens are our good layers. They produce around 250 eggs a year, so four to five eggs a week. Right. Again, they're beautiful shades of green. Some also have speckles. Which we were talking about earlier that the New Hampshire has a speckled egg. Yeah. One and of that those brown egg layers, yeah. Brings in the speckles, but they are red. Right. Which is kind of cool. They're beautiful eggs. If you have a chance to look them up, they really are pretty. The ice bar is not recognized by the American Poultry Association. The Swedish organization maintains a stud book. But what was interesting to me was instead of emphasizing type and confirmation, they concentrate on the egg color and the frequency of lay. Which is what he wanted to do in the first exactly. place. Exactly. So in general, ice bars have a straight comb, they have redier lobes, and they're supposed to be quite winter hardy. Despite having a little bit of a smaller frame, I would watch the big comb on the roos. The roos are very handsome, big, great big combs. Yeah. They're very good foragers, but we've read that they're a very calm and laid back breed. Kind of reminds me a bit of the leg bar. <laughs> it does. In that way, yeah. But honestly, at this point, there's not a lot written about them. I mean, the most important thing is that we recognize who actually developed this breed and why. Exactly. He wanted a high production egg Mm -hmm. chicken that produced a rainbow egg. Right. And in the end, whether he was happy with the breed or not, he got that. Exactly. And Uh, the other thing is he did not get them to be auto-sexed. I don't think that was one of his primary aims, but it was a really popular thing to breed for at that time. I was going to say, the cream crested leg bar is an auto sex. Exactly. So you would think at some point he was trying to match so many chickens up to have that breed through. Could be. Mm-hmm. It just did happen for yeah. him in his yeah. time. Well, the beautiful ice bar, or Silverwood's Blue, they're available as unsexed chicks from Greenfire Farm. Alchemist Farm also sells small quantities. They sell usually two at a time. Okay. Look them up. If you don't follow them on Instagram, I've been following them for a while. Yeah. Really, really humane breeders. They also do quail and their eggs are outstandingly gorgeous. The other ice bars or silver blues are available through smaller breeders. Sometimes you can find hatching eggs. Just a Google search will yield you some pretty good results. Oh, yeah. Possibilities. Definitely. And mm-hmm. coming up, our guest that we're going to have on later on in this episode actually has an ice bar. Yeah, so she's going to tell us all about Lulu the ice bar. So she's going to give us a little inside track. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. Okay, so we're back again with our international correspondent, the beautiful Fiona. And we're going to go across the pond and have coffee with Fiona. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm bright red now from being called beautiful. You are. You are, sweet friend. So we are back. You want an invitation to my house? (laughs) I already got the invitation. I'm coming. I don't have a choice. I'm going to be there soon. No choice. I'm going to be there and I'm going to be like, I'm having real coffee with Fiona. Yeah. I like that. Real coffee with Fiona. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that segment will be in the UK. Real coffee with Fiona. Yes. I have to work on my British accent. No, you don't. No. <laughs> no. no, don't. Come on. I want to hear it now. Please. Please. Oh, no. I just need a little spot for tea. <laughs> good. It's not good. I told you. <laughs> My dear, you just need to relate American. I love it. (laughs) I will tell you that that's leaps and bounds better than it used to be. She used to sound like she was from India. (laughs) I'm I'm not kidding. Okay, so Fiona, we're here again for the Broody Report. We're on week two. Yeah. We want to find out how Cinnamon's doing. How's she doing? Well, it's uh, she's doing everything she's supposed to do. We've got her eating and drinking and pooping. 
And I know that's a funny thing to say with chickens because there's poop everywhere with chickens. (laughs) In fact, it's the one thing I wish somebody had told me when I first started keeping chickens is how much poop they really produce. And then how much you're going to be examining the poop to make sure everything's okay. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. It's embarrassing. Don't put it out there. Don't tell everyone. No, no, no. Seriously, poop tells you everything. Like, I must look at poop 500 times a day. I'm checking (laughs) sheep poop. There's dog poop. There's chicken poop. Llama and alpaca poop. Yeah, we're West. not the chicken ladies anymore. Thanks for that, Holly. We are now the poop ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. A little bit of a different ring to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I'm crying. Holy moly. So Fiona, she's doing well. And you wanted to take this time to kind of let everybody know that you have to keep a close eye on your broody hens and make sure they're yeah. still doing everything they need to be doing. Yeah, I mean, while they're sitting on their eggs, the issue is that they're not out roaming around, they're not grazing, they're not eating, they're not drinking. So it's making sure that they have got enough to eat, have got enough to drink, and that they're actually emptying their bowels as well. It doesn't sound like a problem, but it is because they won't poop in the nest because eggs are porous. Right. And any bacteria from the poop could actually infect the eggs and the chicks could die. So one of the natural things they do is they will always leave the nest to poop. And what normally happens is broody hen will get up once a day, go out, eat as much as she can, drink as much as she can, maybe have a dust bath as well, and then empty her bowels, go back in, sit on the nest again. But it's only once a day. We have talked about this in previous episodes yeah. and we explain about the egg mm-hmm. and how sometimes it's hard for everyone to even realize this, but the egg itself is so porous. It has seven to 9,000 tiny pores that let things in and out. Moisture and gas exchange. Through the so egg. Bacteria can get in through exactly. those Exactly. So mm-hmm. you have to be so careful. And that's such an important point is to make sure that they're coming out and staying healthy. Now, you were talking to us before about having food bowls and water bowls right there. They're on wood shaving bedding. So what we do is we actually put some tiles or bricks in and then right. put mm-hmm. the drinker on top of that. And we have a small drinker and a small feeder in the coop within reach of the nest okay. so that they don't necessarily have to go out. But then we also want to make sure that they are going out to evacuate the bowels. And this is the advantage of having them in a brood coop with a run. If there's poop outside, you're okay. If there's no poop outside, you know you need to lift them out. Do you put the food and water in like midday and then take it away at night? Or does that just stay in there 24-7? 24-7. Okay. Because you're looking for them to, I mean, there's two sides of it. One, yeah. you want them to drink and eat so that right. they've got enough nutrition. And the other thing is that they've got the normal bodily functions. So we are working on the basis that deal with nutrition first, and then you can deal with normal bodily functions after that. Fiona, what happens if somehow your hen gets poop on the eggs? It depends. It depends how bad the poop on the egg is. Okay. If it's only a little bit, wipe it off. But I would mark that egg with a number or a symbol so okay. that I could identify it for the future. Because what I do during the process is I'll candle the egg. So I will shine a bright light into the eggs and check what's going on developmentally. So if I've marked it, I'm paying special attention to what's happening with that egg. Okay. Now, if it's a lot, I'll just remove the egg. There's okay. very little point in keeping that going. 
has that ever happened if, to you? Like where you've had to do not that? Not yet. Knock on wood. We're knocking on wood. <laughs> yeah. The one chicken that I'm concerned about at the moment is Frankie because we, we've, spoke, we've spoken about Frankie in the past. Frankie had an accident when she was a chick. So she is a little challenged, shall we say. She's mm-hmm. not working on a full set of brain cells, bless her. Mm-hmm. And she's not necessarily actually coming out of the nest the whole time. And we did have an incident the other night where she is sat on her eggs as well. And she had held it all in, held it all in, held it all in and pooped. Now, the good thing is that it was away from the eggs. And we have given her a few eggs. So where she should have 12, she's actually only on five of those. And we're running the remaining seven in an incubator at the moment in parallel. So nice. it's less likely she's going to have that issue that right. there's going to be poop on the eggs. And okay. that's how we're dealing with that at the moment. But the okay. important thing is we gave her a little bit of a wash because what we couldn't have is anything left on her feathers just in case it did get onto. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You like were the hair dryer. <laughs> that's what we all say that it seems like the chickens love the hair they dryer, love the hair dryer. <laughs> oh you should have seen her face it was she <laughs> it's the noise she always it's a bit oh what's that oh i don't like the noise now all, all of a sudden it's oh yeah that's that's great (laughs) she has this little wiggle she does as well i wish i wish the listeners could see the little movements i'm making but she she does this little wiggle we just have to make sure they're just as healthy just like a human mom you go to the doctors every few weeks in the beginning down to every week and everybody's keeping an eye on you it's the same thing with the hens we have to make sure they're healthy and eating just to make sure everything's okay so cinnamon's doing great She's doing really well. There's nothing about the process at the moment that's concerning us. Great. She's in that boring phase where she needs that TV. She's got chicken TV. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, she's absolutely fine. She sat in there basically taunting the others. And they're walking <laughs> around looking at the open feeder that she's got in her run. Oh. Because it's caged off. Yeah. So they can see the feeder. They can't get to it. <laughs> Uh-huh. And they're just trying to get in, climbing all over the run as well. Yeah. And she's just watching them. She, you can almost hear the tutting in her head. <laughs> We're going to talk about Halloumi, who had some difficulties with Broody this last week, correct? Yeah, she just stopped eating completely. And I know we've been breeding for quite a while, but we've never had a broody who's refused to eat anything. We've had broodies who've slowed down their eating, but never, ever completely stopped eating. And we knew she'd stopped eating completely because... As I've said, the poop is your friend with broody hens. Mm -hmm. And her poop was entirely liquid. There were no solids in there at all. Oh, wow. And I tried pellets. I tried chick crumb. I tried whole wheat. I tried mixed corn, which they normally go crazy for. I tried grapes. I tried strawberries. I tried raspberries. Nothing worked. Wow. And it was only when I made up a hot mash I just basically took some chick crumb, put some hot water on it. And it's something when she was a very small chick, she absolutely loved. She went crazy for. And once again, she went crazy for it. She absolutely loved it. Is she eating regularly now? She is. I'm actually putting a little bowl of hot mash in every second day. And the other day I'm putting it into her run. So she has to come out for it. 
but I'm keeping an eye on her poop just to make sure that mm-hmm. she is eating. Now, the strange thing is Rowan, one of our other Orpingtons, wasn't eating enough. She was eating, but there wasn't a great deal of poop. Right. So I tried the same thing and she's eating, I mean, her entire body weight and the stuff as well. So <laughs> that's it great. It really does work. It does. <laughs> mash, hot mash is your friend. It's true. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's worked for Gertie. It's worked for a lot of the chickens who just mm-hmm. don't seem to want to eat a little bit. And then you put that in, it just gets them going. Do you think that's what it is? It's the aroma. It's the smell. I think it's the aroma because I've noticed that the food really has a strong smell once you wet it. And it kind of gets another sense in going besides taste. They're curious to see about the food. It's worked for me just by wetting it, you know, for Iris even when she wasn't eating well for Mm me. So it's it's definitely going to use it in the future. Yeah, that's what I used for Claire after her surgery was mash. She didn't want pellets, but the mash she would eat and she ate a lot of it for a week or two until she was back to normal. And she's fine now. Oh, yeah. She's in great shape now. Mm -hmm. So Halloumi is feeling much better now and eating. Oh, yeah. She came out for her first proper run today. So she had a mad sand bath. She had a mad (laughs) run around, flapping, flying up in the air, crying at the top of her voice, and then wandered back to her coop and went straight back onto the eggs. Absolutely brilliant. I'm really glad to hear that she's feeling better. How many eggs is she on? We've actually only got her covering five eggs and we've got seven in the incubator. I knew it was a smaller number. Okay. Yeah, she's okay. a very small chicken because the old English pheasant fowl is quite a small breed. She's a first time broody as well. And I want to make sure she's as successful as possible. Right. So we've got seven in the incubator. There will be some that won't develop. There'll probably be 10 in total in the end. And okay. she'll get all 10 on day 20. Nice. nice. Just before that, hatching. That is awesome. She's doing well. I'm pleased with her. Well, we will check in with you next week to see how everybody's doing. So until then, we'll see you later. Thank you for the broody report. Thank you. Bye. 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 Okay, so now we're going to be moving into our main topic for today. And this is a fun one. And it is the hen's reproductive system. So last week we talked about the egg. Right. So this week we thought it would be a natural progression to talk about how the egg moves through the reproductive system. It's actually really interesting how the egg forms. Yeah, um, it is. And it's also helpful in case you run into any reproductive issues with your hens, any egg-related issues. It's good to know the system and kind of where it could be. Yeah. And what each function is. Yeah, it's actually really cool. It's almost like there are stops for the egg along the way. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and explain those to you. So last week we talked about hens are born with all of the eggs that they'll ever lay. Just like people. And a lot of species, in fact. Most females are born with that number of eggs. Right. The other interesting thing that I learned in this process is that hens only have one ovary. This is the funniest thing that we were talking about this earlier when we were outside sitting with the chickens Mm -hmm. brainstorming. And we were talking about, you know, the hen's reproductive system. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, remember when I thought that Gertie was a boy? <laughs> I do. We were doing the research. You were helping me with it then. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, this chicken is seven months not laying an egg. Right. And she's doing the shuffle. She did the wing dance. Mm-hmm. She did. She was like, hey, baby. <laughs> I remember. I was like, can you believe this? I couldn't believe it. I kept saying, are you sure it was a wing dance? I was positive. <laughs> so then... We looked it up and we were like, oh my God, chickens only have one ovary. Mm-hmm. Who would have thunk? So just the one ovary and it's located like halfway down their back, like halfway yeah. between the neck and tail. Yeah. And the one ovary, if it doesn't work, 
That's it. Basically, the testosterone kind of kicks in mm-hmm. and they act more like voice. So it takes over, yeah. Yeah. Growth spurs, et cetera. So the reproductive system, it's pretty simple. Yeah. It's like a twisted tube. It's maybe two feet long. About two feet long, yeah. And the ovary contains all of her ova, which are essentially the yolks developing. When one of the yolks has developed and it's ready, her ova releases it into the oviduct. Depending on the breed. the breed, the age, the time of year, it can be every one to four days. This is what we talk about in breed spotlights. So every chicken is different. Every chicken is bred genetically different. Mm-hmm. That this time period is a range. Right. So if you have a really high productive layer like the Rhode Island Red, the Leghorn, it could be every day. Right. So, you know, looking up the breed and checking them out, that does help you out with knowing how the reproductive system like works. Like your buff Orpington might be only every three or four days. Exactly. Yeah. So knowing that information can help. And of course that slows down just like with any species that slows down as she ages. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. you'll see if you have a five-year-old head, you might get an egg a week right. versus four eggs Exactly. A week. Yeah. And that is that ova getting less and less quick mm-hmm. to release it. Yeah. So once the yolk is released into the oviduct, right. that's when all the magic happens. It goes... <laughs> so the oviduct, the whole reproductive tube, is lined with all these different glands, and they all have different jobs. It's like a car wash. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. They each have a different function. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like you go in, and it's the, the soap, it's the brushes, it's the air dry, it's everything. Thank God she doesn't have to have all those things. But yeah, it, it is it is. Kind if of you think thing. about it that way. It's like a station. You know? Yeah. So the first stop, the egg develops the chalaza. That's what holds the white to the yolk. Right. And that stop is called the infundibulum. I'm glad you're saying that, right. not me. And the egg stays in the infundibulum about 15 minutes. So that's not going to be a problem area. That's one thing to realize. It's going to move through there quickly. The next section is the magnum. Magnum PI. Right? <laughs> or magnum wine bottle? I don't know. The magnum. The magnum is the largest section of the oviduct. And the egg stays here for about three hours. Okay. And that's where the egg white forms. It's secreted from the glands. It forms around the eggs. And it takes about an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. Which I just thought that was the neatest thing. You know, the whole white forms in that amount of time. It's quick. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's moving through. Right. It's car wash. It is. <laughs> so once the egg white has been secreted, the egg moves a little further down into the isthmus. Okay. Another funny name. Exactly. And the egg stays there while the inner and outer shell membrane form. Okay. So that's what you're going to need for your egg sac, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it sits there for a little while. So then we're heading for the next to the last stop. That is the shell gland. And let's think about shell glands, how that body has to make a hard shell of calcium. Right. We talked about that, all those calcium crystals forming this really intricate shape with all those pores. And that takes a little bit of time. The egg can sit in the shell gland 20 plus hours. Yeah. So let's just look at this. That could give us some time to cause a problem. Right. And that is where you could have something come up if you don't have enough calcium in their diet. Where their body is saying, okay, I need to make the shell, but it's not there. What can happen then in that case is that the hen can absorb, this was amazing to me, as much as 10% of her own bone calcium to form the shell. Yes. And that's why they get lethargic and lose weight at that point because they're pulling everything. This is why we've always talked about oyster shells and the importance of just giving them some free choice. They know when to eat that. They do. We keep it out. I mean, it's 24-7. It's always there. Sometimes you might notice they'll go days and they don't eat that. Right. That's okay. It as is. As long as you have it out, when it stops here, 
say there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of leading to you're going to see problems like with egg bound. This is where it might happen. Yeah, shell misdevelopment for whatever reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So what's the top? You said up to 20 hours. 20, it can be 20 plus. 20 plus. That's mm-hmm. a long time to it be a there. long time, yeah. This is also the spot where pigment is deposited on the shell if there's right. going to be any color. Right. And we talk about that in episode 17 and last week in episode 26. Right. If you want to hear more about eggshell pigmentation. And the final stop is what we like to call the vagina. The vagina. (laughs) We're not afraid to say it. Right. So this is actually something that Christy and I talk about a lot. (laughs) Your hand does not poop eggs. No. There's a different spot. It's a different spot. Yeah. Yes. It all comes out of her vent. Yes. But the poop is coming from a different place than the egg. Exactly. She's not pooping your egg. No. She's laying your egg. So it's coming out of the vent. Yes. Yes. But that's the only thing that it has in common. And when she starts to lay an egg, it closes off the other opening. Exactly. So the hen cannot poop and lay an egg simultaneously. If you see poop in there, it's either from poop before or after the egg was laid. Generally, right, right. So it's not happening at the same time. Exactly. So the important part about the anatomy is to know that there are two different tubes. Right. The other interesting thing that happens in the vagina before the egg is laid, well, two things. The first is that the egg turns. Right. It travels down the tube pointy end first, and then when it gets to the end, it flips around so that they lay blunt end first. The other thing is that's where the hen deposits that lovely bloom that seals the pores and keeps the bacteria from getting in. Right. All of that stuff. So the egg's journey through the oviduct can take about 25 or 26 hours total. I was talking with someone on our Instagram page about hens laying daily. Sometimes they're not daily. Oh, right, This is all per breed. Exactly. So say an egg comes through, there's another egg directly behind it, but it may be delayed in process. Absolutely. So when we say 25 to 26 hours, we're not saying, hey, every chicken's going to lay an egg 25, 26 hours. Exactly. So know that your chicken might be a little delayed. Right. She won't even ovulate. She won't even release another yolk until the first egg is laid. But say in a leghorn, she might lay an egg and she could ovulate another 30 minutes to an hour right after that exactly. egg is laid. Where in one of my Brahmas, she might not ovulate again for another two days. So I have the extreme opposites. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I have Lucy the leghorn who practically lays every day. Almost. Yeah, she's an amazing layer. And then I have the buffs who lay maybe three times a week. Right. So their bodies, they're all chickens and they all work the same way, mm-hmm. but their timing is off. Yes. So you get less eggs. So knowing those breeds is really important. Knowing the anatomy, knowing these stops along the way. Even with their crazy names. I kind of think just appreciating an egg, knowing all these things just makes you appreciate the egg more. The fact that she forms all of that stuff oh, yeah. in her two-foot-long tube. <laughs> exactly. Including putting some pretty color on two there. Two-foot-long tube that's longer than the chicken's not two feet sometimes. Exactly, right. It, I guess it kind of <laughs> twists a bit. twist around, yeah. you know. And the fact that it's starting as small and as it's coming through, it's growing in size and going through the different phases. Right. My takeaways from this are two things. The first is calcium, calcium, calcium. Oh, yeah. If you can't get oyster shell, you can feed back their own shells. From everything that I understood about the feeding back shells versus oyster shells is the eggshells is going to give immediate calcium. Exactly. Where the oyster shells are going to build up the calcium for long term. Yep. So it's going to keep them healthier along the way. Yeah. But if you have a chicken that needs calcium and they won't eat the oyster shells, the eggshells are a way to go. The other thing that you can do if you have an overabundance of eggs is scramble an egg and feed them their own egg. Sure. Yeah, you can do that. It's high in calcium also. I mean, but the eggshells are the way to go. The eggshells are the way to go. The oyster shell is ideal if you can get it right. 
The other thing that I've always done to try to help this is my hens do not get their treats until later in the day. Yeah. Like afternoon. That way they were eating all of the layer yes. crumble or pellet that they need and getting a lot of their calcium we that get, way. Ours get no treats at all until late afternoon. Exactly. Yeah. And then they're looking for them. They're like, where right. are you with these treats? Right. My chickens are not good with oyster shell eating either. But I have them free out there mm-hmm. for them. So I, it's a I good thing. I would say all of my hens are, are pretty good oyster shell eaters. Mine aren't. Well, they, maybe they, they were. just don't need it as much then. I wish they were because I want to see them eating them, <laughs> Yeah. You know? The other interesting takeaway from me is knowing how the egg is formed, you know where the problem spots are. And it sounds like the shell gland is the biggest possibility. Well, if you have a lack of calcium, here's the other thing that can happen. You could have a soft shell egg. Right. And then it's harder for that egg to move through that ovatract. Yeah. And then what happens is it can get stuck. Right. And then that's a problem. And you very occasionally have a soft shell egg with a new layer. You often have smaller eggs with a new layer. Yeah. And then when your hens are aging, you often get small eggs that way. Sometimes you can get the occasional soft shell egg. But the preventative care here is making sure they have enough calcium. Can we put something out there that I've been dying to put out there? What's that? Eggs that have a soft shell that you can feel that are mushy. I know where you're going. Yes. Have a shell. They're (laughs) not shellless. Right. That shell is calcium, but it's soft. Yes. So there wasn't enough to form a hard layer on that egg. Now, if you have an egg that comes out with white and yolk, then that is a no-shell egg. I only say this because I want everyone to know and be educated about it. If you have an egg that comes out soft-shelled, it's due to lack of calcium. Generally, yes. So it's not shellless. Right. Occasionally, a hen will lay an egg that's just the membrane. Yeah. But that's not that rubbery. No. It's quite thin. If you yeah. can hold it in your hand and it's kind of like uh, a stress ball. That is a soft shell egg. That is a soft shell exactly. egg. Exactly. Where yeah. you cannot see the yolk. Right. It has a covering, mm-hmm. the shell. Yeah. So know that if you see that, I've had them happen to me before. Right. Mm-hmm. Generally, you need to add a little bit more calcium. Yes. So that's the hen's reproductive system. Yeah, it's amazing. It is really amazing, like a car wash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> without the brushes. Wash, right. Without the brushes. Thank goodness. So I think it's time for... Cracking the eggs. Let's crack some eggs. Today, Yeah, I had to really twist your arm on this one. <laughs> you kind of did. I will admit I'm going into this reluctantly. I probably shouldn't. But this one's mine and it's so simple. And this is for everyone out there that has a ton of eggs. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the heck do I do with all these eggs? It's more or less egg salad. It's egg salad. <laughs> <laughs> but not everybody is familiar with egg salad. So I thought we should put it out there. Okay. Do you think everybody's familiar with egg salad? I do think everyone's familiar with egg salad, but I will admit that I like this little variation of it. I mean, it really is delicious. It is. So this is what my mom always taught me how to make egg salad. Mm -hmm. And she lived on the egg farm. Right. And was kind of from her parents. But really, her variation started when she started working in the city in the late 60s. Right. As an assistant to an orthopedic surgeon. Yes. And next to her office was this little deli. So she lived out in the country and then she decided to bus into the city. Okay. So, you know, she was probably like, the number 23. <laughs> she was so, so happy to get in the city. And then she gets into this little deli and they eat lunch. And she's always told me for egg salad, the best little secret ingredient that pops the eggs. Mm-hmm. It's relish, sweet relish. It actually is delicious. And pickles. Yeah. So it's so simple. Do you use both or is it an either or? I use either both or either or. Okay. So I just boil my eggs as normal, slice them with a slicer, mm-hmm. add mayonnaise, salt, and pepper. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't use dill relish. I use sweet relish. Yeah. It makes a big difference in the taste. It makes a really big difference. And I usually put celery in also. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll add cut up dill pickles with the relish. Okay. Or if you're like us, we ran out that one day. Yes. I cut up a whole bunch of pickles. You did. And it was good. (laughs) It was really good. And then... We ran out of pickles, so then I took the pickle juice and poured that with the eggs. Also delicious. It worked out. Have you ever tried it with bread and butter pickles? No, but I think it would add a different taste even. I think it would. That could be good, too. And you know what? You could even make all different variations of egg salad. You know, I just thought of the sitting here. You could do an Old Bay egg salad. Just like you could do an yeah, Old, Old Bay, Bay deviled egg. Deviled yeah. egg. Mm-hmm. If you did that in the egg salad. That would be delicious, too. That would be really good. I do curried egg salad sometimes. Yeah. Also delicious. I'm wondering, if you do the pickles or the relish, it adds a lot of moisture. Does that mean you can cut back on your mayonnaise? You probably could cut back on your mayonnaise. That's something to be said. I'm like this girl who I do not like reduced calorie mayonnaise for some reason. Okay. You like the creamy. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. I like the mayo. Mm -hmm. I like to be thick. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So it seems simple, but try it. It's good if you don't if you never put relish in your egg salad or pickle in your egg salad. I have to admit it is really good. It is good and it's good for a picnic. I just wanted to do this recipe in the summertime mm-hmm. because it's a good one and we eat it all the time. We do eat it all the time, I know. We're like, what are we going to have? Okay. I finally was like, you know, we do eat this all the time and it is really delicious and I don't know why I'm fighting. Fine, let's do it. And- so there we go. Hey, but you know what? I think next week we should try Old Bay. I think that sounds delicious. And let everybody know how it tastes because I think that would be great. It's going to be really good. The deviled eggs are good with the Old mm-hmm. Bay. So why not the egg salad? Yeah. So everybody tell us how you do your egg salad. It's yeah. something simple, but it's something that everybody can make their own. I definitely need to try it with bread and butter pickles now. That would be really good. Let's see how that tastes. Yeah. And if you do something different, send us a picture. Let us know. Mm-hmm. We'll give you a story. Tag us. <laughs> yep. Okay, so now that we've talked about egg salad, Mm -hmm. I think we want to move on. Retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah. We have a special guest. We do. And it's Teddy from Therapy Chickens. Yes. She's an artist. She's a chicken keeper. And we wanted to interview her about all those different things. So we want to bring you that interview now. Welcome, Teddy. Hi, everybody. So happy to be here. We're so happy to be talking to you today. I love the podcast. And thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to learn from you because you have so much experience. And, <laughs> and we enjoy love- your art. We oh, absolutely you. love your art. We really love we it. We love it. It brightens our day when we see it. Mm-hmm. And you're such a sweetie that we're like, oh my goodness, we have to talk to this girl. <laughs> so, how did you get started with chickens? I got started with chickens kind of by accident. I moved into a house that had a coop already, just a little one. Um, I know. It was meant to be. <laughs> did you oh. want to have chickens before you moved in with the coop? Did it ever cross your mind no. before? No, I knew I liked them as an idea. But even when I moved in, I wasn't like, I'm going to get chickens because I have this coop. My friend who has a farm, she brought me two chickens like out of the blue because she thought I needed friends in my house. Aww. She's like, you need you need to have some company because I moved into this house and I don't live with anyone else. So she dropped off two chickens when I was at work. So I came home <laughs> to two chickens, two like probably eight week old. Oh, <laughs> little pullets. Yeah, one pullet and one cockerel and food and water and everything I needed. And it, that was that. It was literally like I have photos from that first day I came home of me like holding them. Like, oh, <laughs> it was immediately like, oh, I have pets. And I grew up with parakeets. 
as a little girl. And so the birds were just, you know, the feathers and the behaviors that they do, the fluffing and the stretching and the drinking water, all that stuff was really so familiar. It, It felt so right. So did you have to do anything else to your run? So my first two chickens, Bella and Lulu, they lived in that tiny first coop for a year. And then I got my next round of chicks, which is Buffy and June, Charlie, Nixie, and they, I didn't have anywhere to put them. So I had to build a coop out of mud, like a cool. cop coop. Wow. Yeah, That's neat. During, yeah, it was really cool during the pandemic. So I had lost my job, you know, just for a span of time and you didn't want to spend a bunch of money and wood is expensive. So just decided to dig a hole in the backyard and make cob, which is just dirt, water, and straw and clay, the clay and the dirt. So you made wow. the coop is made out of mud essentially. And then and are out- they still in it now? Yeah. And now, so all of the six live in there now. And then we built a big run around it. That's amazing. How does it work for ventilation? So it's actually breathable. It's the first layer is just mud, water, straw, clay, and that's not waterproof. So then you have to put on a lime plaster, which is lime, sand, and water. Both of those layers are porous. And so it has really good airflow. And the way that we designed it is that there's a lower and they have to jump up high. So the bottom's actually open. So they get it gets a lot of good airflow. Nice. Do you have photos of the interior on your Instagram by chance? Not the interior, just the exterior. I have a lot of photos of the exterior. Okay. I did not realize you had a cob coop. You might have to send us some pictures. Really, I'm fascinated with cob building. It doesn't work so well in the mid-Atlantic where we are. But I think I'm the still, humidity would take it down, basically. I'm still mm-hmm. fascinated with it. This is super cool. I did not know you did this. Now I'm going to have to go dig all over your Instagram account and find all the photos. That's amazing. And she will. She will do it. Yeah, you can. You can. I'll send you pictures. And if anyone's interested in the cob process... One of my IGTV videos is like a tour of the run and coop. The last 10 Good. minutes is explaining the recipe and how we did it. Anyone can watch that. It's kind of a That's fun. Nice. Can I mm-hmm. link to that from our show notes? Yeah, absolutely. That is fantastic. We have bottle art in there. So we like cut bottles and it's like a cathedral. <laughs> They're living it up. This is fantastic. They're living La Vida Loca over there. Okay, we wanted to talk to you about art and we're getting art of a different well, sort. It's all art. It's all we art. She's the artist. All she art. I love this. I really love this. The chickens just create such a creative spark for me. Like mm-hmm. they, they're just a muse. And so naturally, like their coop is full of bottle art and their run is really nice. The door is painted. That was my first ever art that I did for them. They're looking at other chickens like, oh my God, <laughs> like we live with the artists and like we have bottle art and it's so awesome. I, I can't believe they have wood <laughs> on yours. So how many chickens do you have in this amazing coop and run? Six big adult chickens. And then I have okay. four chicks that are eight weeks old. Ooh. You know, we were just talking, our breed spotlight this week is the ice bar. So what's one of the most amazing things you love about your ice bar? So as some of you who follow us may know, Lulu is our Swedish ice bar. She's beloved on our Instagram and she's beautiful. She's very elegant looking, but not, I don't know, not in like a proud way. She's kind of Lulu, she was the first, second chicken, the second chicken I got. And I got her from a local breeder who only does rare Swedish varieties. So she's got nice. ice bars. And then she also has, I think, Swedish flower hens. Mm-hmm. That's and, what Holly Ann has. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also beautiful. Yeah. She has so much personality. Like when people come to visit, 
they're always like, oh, I thought I would love Buffy or June the most because they're kind of the most friendly. But they are always like, I love Lulu so much because she she's just so curious and interactive. She doesn't like to be held, really, but she's a splash ice bar. So she looks like a little Dalmatian. She lays beautiful green. They're actually greenish blue. If you look at like an Americana and an Olivegger, it's kind of in the middle. It's so pretty. I didn't seek her out. So Bella was my first chicken and her sister died suddenly. And I only had her and she was depressed for obviously. Oh yeah. They're definitely flock animals. Yeah. Yeah, Like, and it was really clear to me, like she wasn't super friendly with me before and she got really clingy and we bonded really closely. So now that's my black copper Morans who are typically really mean, but she and I are really close because of that month. Anyway, Oh, it was alone with me. But so I posted on our local bulletin board, the, we have like an online kind of Craigslist, but I live in a tiny town and it's our local board. And I just said, I have a chicken who's alone and needs a sister. And this woman texted me and was like, I can give you a chicken and she'll be perfect. And I came over and she's like, so it's actually kind of a rare breed and it's a special chicken. <laughs> I had no idea. It was just wow. Awesome. That's nice. Yep. Yeah. People are sometimes on waiting lists for ice bars. They can be difficult to get. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. saying. Like you got this rare breaching. But I mean, you know, she's in there like looking at the bottle caps, like the way the light hits it. It's awesome. So mm-hmm. much fun. She's like, I'm born to be in this. Come oh, on. yeah. It was definitely meant to be. And the, <laughs> I think this is what I think is special about her. She's really good at foraging. Like she lives her life for dirt and plants. <laughs> she wakes up in the morning. Like when my garden is in full bloom, I have videos of this. She wakes up in the morning and she goes over to the side of the run where the garden is. And she'll literally just watch it. She's just scanning the kale bed. Yep. <laughs> as soon as she wakes up at 5 a.m., it's like, hey, Lulu's, you know, Lulu's looking out for the kale because she just wants because she just wants to get in there and eat it. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, none of my other chickens are that intent on eating green things. I don't know if it's a Swedish breed thing or not, but the Swedish flowers are bar none the best foragers I've ever had in 20 years of chicken keeping. Yeah. I think she would love to be over here right now in the mid Atlantic with cicadas. Oh, because. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> My chicken Gertie is like eating them like crazy. I can't stop this chicken. She hunts them and eats them. And they're like huge. They're big. It's like, that's kind of gross. <laughs> it's horrible. They're loud. Yeah. <laughs> so Lulu would love them. them. She'd be like, yeah. <laughs> she totally so, would. So, what's your favorite thing about chicken keeping in the Pacific Northwest? So I live on the east side of the mountains in Washington. So our weather is way more dry and extreme. And we're Mm -hmm. on the east side. So we get the rain shadow and we get four really distinct seasons, like 100 degrees during the summer. Like today it's 90 degrees and then it'll be hot all summer. And then we get down into the negative 20s in the winter and have four feet of snow on the ground. Wow. I really enjoy seeing the chickens living and thriving in all of those environments. It's just cool mm-hmm. to see how versatile they are and how mm-hmm. they adjust to the hot summer and all the things they do to keep cool. And then it's especially amazing to watch them adjust to a really cold winter. Well, with- I would think that the coop that you made would be amazing in every single mm-hmm. season. Yeah. You know, to keep them cool in the summer and insulate it in the winter. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an excellent idea for where you are to create something like that for them. Exactly. The cob coop, like for, especially for a more arid climate is perfect because in the summer, the stone and dirt just stays cool. So their coop is cooler than the outside. 
until about like 9 p.m. Then it get then it like can switch because we get really cold nights. But that by then they don't really mind. They're just sleepy. And in the yeah. winter, it retains heat. Like I don't use any mm-hmm. kind of heat at all. If you see my coop, you'll see it has like the bottoms open. It's not shut. They're up high, so like, the up part is sealed off, but the bottom part is kind of open, and they hop in and out. And I get a lot of comments like, "Your chickens aren't warm enough. Like your coop doesn't look insulated. It looks like it's drafty." And it's just the upper part is insulated enough and the heat rises. So it keeps it warm. Mm-hmm. Then they're totally fine in there with no extra insulation, no heat source or anything. They're just, they're totally cozy up in there. So it's perfect. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. That's- so what would be your least favorite thing about <laughs> chicken keeping in the Pacific Northwest? Even though we don't really get that much rain here, I don't like the rain personally. And also yeah. I don't like dealing with my chickens in the rain because I don't have a good covering for them. We're very open air and they're not good about staying out of the rain. We get rain in like October and in April usually. And I have to be really careful about if I'm gone all day and it's raining, I have to be able to come home or lock June, my lavender orbit in June somewhere because she will stay out in the rain until she gets hypothermic. <laughs> So do mine. So I have four lavender Orpingtons, one of which is named June. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. And Gertie, the mystery wonder hen is in with the four lavenders and she's the (laughs) smartest. So rain and snow, you find Gertie in the coop where you need to be. The four lavenders will be sitting on a roosting bar. Everything's just hitting them. And you're like, why go in the coop? (laughs) My theory with June is they're so fluffy. They have so much fluff that they, they can't don't feel it. Right. Yeah, they don't feel it. She has no idea that she's soaking wet until it's like <laughs> all the way up against her skin. Yeah. You look at them and they're sitting on this roost and you're like, it's pouring down rain. What are you doing? It's crazy. It must be a, the Lavender Orpington thing. We love your chicken art. How did you get started doing that? <laughs> well, thank you so much. I started it in September of last year. I bought an iPad and got the fancy Apple Pencil. um, And I was really inspired by a lot of the people doing art on Instagram. I think that was Mm -hmm. something I just found myself following. And on Pinterest was like a lot of digital artists. And I was just like, I want to do that. So I painted the run door like a little earlier in the summer. And that kind of like opened the floodgates of like, oh, I really like to paint chickens. And if people are familiar, that's my logo now. It's a chicken in the moon circle. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I have a color version of that on my door that I painted with acrylics, I think. Nice. Yeah. And and so that kind of opened the floodgates. And I was like, I'm going to get this iPad and One of the motivations was just knowing that the winter of 2020 was going to be hard. I just, Mm -hmm. we all knew it, I think, in our hearts that we were going to be pretty isolated on lockdown, that the pandemic would be more challenging in the winter. It'd be cold. You can't hang out outside with people. So I was looking ahead and trying to plan like what would be something really rich and meaningful that I could do with that time alone. And so that was part of the motivation also. I have a question for you. It's therapy chickens. Where did the name come from? Are they therapy for you? Or they they bring you so much love and joy that that's where it came from? When I made my Instagram for them, I was like signing up, you know, you sign up and you put in your email and whatever, and it got to username. And I was like, what? I don't know. I don't know what. And (laughs) I don't even know. Like there wasn't any thought. It just came out. Therapy chickens. It just was what I typed in. 
it was meant to be. And it was just at that point, it was just Lulu and Bella. And they really, they are so therapeutic for me. And mm-hmm. And so it came out of my brain, kind of spur of the moment as I was signing up for Instagram. It's so true. When, yeah, I, when I'm having a bad day, I end up like, say my morning's not going the way I want. I will end up in that chicken run time after time, <laughs> sitting with almost 20 chickens. They are so good for the soul and the heart. They love unconditionally mm-hmm. and they have great personalities. And they get you out of the house, you know, to go mm-hmm. be outside and with them mm-hmm. and like going to take care of something. I think that's really helpful for yeah. people. It you know, really especially no like for me, I don't live with anyone else. So it's like I get up and I have these beings to go interact with. And that's really mm-hmm. so meaningful to me. I love that they <laughs> live outside, you know, like chickens live outside and we, by giving them a home, I feel like we're helping them because they're in their natural environment and we mm-hmm. give them a safe place to live. You know, and they're happy. That's where they want to be. They're content. They're supposed to be independent and living outside. And the creative in all of us is we're creating this perfect little place for them to be. Yeah. So it kind of is an outlet that way also. Mm -hmm. And it's just fun to do and be with them. And they're so grateful. Do you have someone who inspired you to start with the art? Or was it just inside? I think there were definitely several artists on Instagram that... I follow that we're doing really similar, like kind of landscape type art to what I have in my calendar. Like I have it right there. <laughs> you guys can see it uh-huh. listening can't, but you know, a lot of it is just like landscape and, and then a big celestial orb that's kind of always in my designs. And that definitely came from, I don't even know what to call them. I've like looked, tried to look it up before. It's like, and I've seen some people call them like boho artists, boho style. Oh, yes. Like landscapes, but kind of, you know, not that much detail. Like, okay, right, like right. Detail. It's more like just big blocks of color. It came from that kind of boho style. You do and, a great job. Yeah, it's very yeah. stylized, but it's, it's not stylized in an industrial way. It's still extremely artistic and the character of the chicken really shines through it. I love yeah. your chickens. I can't say it enough. I think oh. boho is a perfect way to explain it. Bohemian. Bohemian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Totally. Another one of my followers is dead set. I remind her of a folk artist. I can't remember that. So she always calls it folk art. Yeah. Folk art. So I think I really see I the folky of, side of it. I see that too. And to me, bohemian mm-hmm. and folk are kind of one same kind of go together. I had no idea at first. I was like, how do I describe? Like I had to look <laughs> at my calendar. I was like, how do I describe this? I have no idea. <laughs> It's chicken art. That's yeah, the important it's part. It's chicken art. <laughs> so do you have a favorite thing that you're selling in your Etsy shop? Yeah, my calendar is my favorite thing for sure. It was nice. It was totally the, my first labor of love. When I first started drawing, I just started drawing chickens in landscapes. And so for those of you who, who haven't seen it, it's the calendar that it's like nine and a half by 14. It's kind of big and it's meant to be like a piece of art that goes on the wall. You don't write on it or anything. It just has kind of a simple calendar with the dates. And each sheet is, it's not like a usual calendar where you like have one sheet, which is the art or the picture. And then the like calendar, which you write on, it's all, it's just one big sheet and it's a big print of a chicken in the landscape. <laughs> it's called the Outdoor Enthusiast. So it's a little pun, a chicken pun for everyone. <laughs> and each month features a one of my chickens drawn in nice. the landscape. And so that was my first big project I did when I started and- drawing. 
it funnels my love for nature and the joy and peace and connectedness I feel out there. And then the chicken just, it, it just adds a certain pizzazz. Oh yeah. It seems like a work of art that someone could, once they've used the calendar, take each page and frame it Mm -hmm. and put it up on the wall. That would be kind of cool looking. Yeah, like definitely to do all the different months off, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially if you didn't write on it. So how long has your Etsy store been up and give us the name of your Etsy store so that we can put that out there. I opened my Etsy shop around Thanksgiving of last year. That's when I started okay. selling my calendars and my shop is called therapy chickens art. If you get on Etsy, you can search us for therapy chickens art. Everybody needs to do this because your stuff's amazing. <laughs> you have really Thank cool you. t-shirts <laughs> we love your prints. Thank you. You just do a great job. Go to Teddy's Etsy store. I will have it linked in the show notes. Yeah. Your prints really are fabulous. I love the chicken in the moon that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. I also mm-hmm. like your Ruth Bader Ginsburg print. Yes. That's my favorite. That. Power. Women empowerment. <laughs> and I have a black hen named Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So. She does. Perfect. Oh, that's so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I drew that actually the day Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. I like I couldn't sleep. I was so upset. It was just mm-hmm. it like jarred me. That was what I did all night. <laughs> That's one of my favorite prints yeah, on your fantastic. shop. Yes. And you have such cute little t-shirts too. Yeah. Definitely. We mentioned your tees. Your tees are fantastic. Yeah. Everybody has to right go one, and check them out. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> They're really nice. They're so soft. The company that I chose does a really good job. And I love that the necks aren't super high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has a nice a, little scoop neck to like it. The, yeah. One of the versions, yeah, it's really, I don't usually wear t-shirts. I don't like them, but I get a little bit of a size up and then it's just, it's so comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're all day and then all night. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any new projects coming up that you can tell us about? Yeah. So it's still in the works on my side, but we're partnering up with Julie who runs Denver Homestead Instagram account. Another amazing wonderful chicken lover lady. We also run the hashtag chicken therapy Thursday. So we might. Nice. So she has written a children's book about one of her chickens and she asked me to do the illustrations for it. I haven't had time to do it yet, but I were getting around to it. So her side's done. We're just waiting on me. That's something I'm really excited about. The whimsical nature of my art and the way I feel about doing my art lends itself really well to being in like an illustrated kids. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. I I would think everything, the the shapes that you use, the colors, all of those things, that's going to be a very, very special children's book. We can't wait to see it. Mm -hmm. We can't wait. Okay, so we want to say thank you to Teddy so much for coming on and talking to us about her chickens, about her great coop, her art on Etsy. Do yourself a favor, follow her at Therapy Chickens on Instagram and check out her Etsy store at Therapy Chickens Art. Yeah, and I'll have the link in our show notes. Yes. We'll have all of Teddy's contact information in our show notes. Thank you so much for coming on with us. And we'll have to have you on again in the future. Yes. Thank you so much. And it's so nice to talk to both of you and everyone so great talking to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you later, Teddy. Bye. So I guess we should tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week. Next week, we're going to talk about the Chanticleer. Ooh. Yeah, they're a really interesting chicken. They sound fancy. Yes. Main topic is planning a coop and run. This is one that we've been waiting to do yeah. for a while. Yeah. Definitely. Our crack in the eggs is meringues or pavlova shells. Nice. So you can make the delicious pavlovas from our garden party. 
And our retail therapy is Coop Signs. I like that one. Coop Signs, yeah. Yeah, that'll be That's fun. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, so until next week, what should we tell everybody? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 